You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into another episode of the Otson Audibles podcast. Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on this show. Kind of an emergency podcast, not kind of, definitely emergency podcast. Definitely emergency, yeah. Matt, Matt Prima on vacation because anytime anything happens, like that's really become the joke, but there's really some reality to it of like anytime Matt takes a vacation day, like something's going to happen. And today, the biggest thing happened, which is that Oregon, Washington, no longer Pac 12 member schools ending. Gosh, more than a hundred years of membership with at least a, uh, a section of the conference. Mm-hmm. They're going to the Big Ten. This has been long rumored. This has been something that was, uh, I think, expected here for a bit. But uh, we've reached the finish line, Jared. I guess we can kind of exhale. Um, we'll get into kind of the, the last couple of days and weeks and months in a second here. Uh, we'll get into what this might look like because this is happening in 2024, so a year from now, presumably. Um mm-hmm. We'll get into maybe what this could do uh, from a financial perspective, what, what it, what's going to be like to be heading to the Midwest multiple times a year. But just first off, just initial reactions um, and kind of maybe lay out some of what's happened this morning because we're recording at about 10, 15, about 30 minutes after uh, several different outlets reported this news. Oh, I mean, it's been a crazy morning. Uh, well, it's been a crazy last week. Um, you want to go like full week? Or just this, just just this morning. Well, I guess we can say we can say that this is clearly just to tie something together. The the next step in that bold vision that both Rob Mullins and and head coach yeah. Dan Lanning kind of hinted at. Um, but let's just keep it in the last twenty four hours to keep it forty eight sure. hours to keep it simple. Um, because yeah, no, good. of course we could be we, we could be going for thirty minutes on background over the last couple of weeks of all of the different we could reporting. Be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like for this week, it's been this kind of rumor that Oregon and Washington and Arizona and Arizona State, like they're all looking to move out. Um, in the last 48 hours, it's really been a lot of Arizona buzz about moving to the Big 12, which still very well could be a thing, um, right. especially with Oregon and Washington now leaving. Uh, they have now broken the seal, so to speak, of the Pac-12, and are, and the Pac-12 is now falling down a hill and the Arizona is going to want to get off that. And so is Arizona state and Utah. So we'll see what becomes of the rest of the PAC 12, probably later today, probably to maybe even tomorrow, but um, last 48 hours that Arizona to the big 12 has been a lot of buzz. Uh, same with Arizona state kind of jumping on board. Um, and really honestly, Oregon to wa- Oregon and Washington in the big 10, other than just like a, like a big picture item where, yeah, it'd be really cool to see it go or, Oh no! Like I don't want to see it go. Just kind of basic ideas. Um, nothing's really been concrete or official about the potential of them leaving. Um, last night, James Crepper of the Oregonian around midnight reported that Oregon, if they were extended an invite to the Big Ten, would accept that invitation and join the Big Ten, which I think is 
it's good reporting by James. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's kind of an obvious thing. Like, yes, right. if they are accepted an invitation, they will, or if they are ex- extended an invitation, they will join. And I think that was probably the case last year too. After USC and UCLA left, um, they just never got one. They they got vetted and everything. They just never got an invitation, probably because of USC and UCLA, which I we can we can get to later on this podcast if we want. But um, so that was like the first initial signs of like. Well, something might be coming. Who knows? And uh, this morning on uh, August 4th, Friday, August 4th, uh, boy, has it been hectic. Uh, been a lot of, been a lot of not even conflicting reports. Um, there's been a lot of big names in the industry, like Pete Thamel, Brett McMurphy, um, uh, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, guys who are, are go- uh, Nicole Auerbach as well, of, of now NBC Sports, The Athletic. I forgot what her new position is. Uh, um, Ross, Ross, all... Ross Dellinger is another one who's been... Ross Dellinger is another one. Yeah, uh, yeah Wetzel is as well. Um, great media minds and people who really have inside sources on this. All kind of reported the same thing early in the morning, probably like seven thirty ish, that it didn't look great for Oregon and Washington to go to the Big Ten. And by it didn't look great, it meant that they were trying to figure out how to stay in the Pac twelve and. I didn't really buy it because um, I think unless the Pac-12 were to give Oregon State and Washington State like $5 million a year and the rest of Oregon and Washington, it's not worth it. It would have never have been worth it. And the conference is a sinking ship. But those were the reports. That sure. was what was coming out from everybody. And then no more than an hour later, probably 30 to 40 minutes later, um, Brett McMurphy tweeted out that the grant of rights for the Pac-12 media deal just wasn't going to be signed and that this meeting that the Pac-12 uh, presidents everybody had this morning just it, no agreement was made Oregon and Washington and the Big Ten their their talks were still fluid I believe what his term was and that was it that was the writing on the wall as soon as uh, McMurphy and then Thamel came along and repeated the, basically the same bit of information then everybody jumped on board and they whatever their sources were telling them before had now changed to tell them that Oregon and Washington, their talks with the Big Ten were still fluid. Whatever happened in that meeting, um, that was it. Writing was on the wall then. Once those reports came out, um, you know, you hear the old term like loose lips sink ships. Uh, the lips have been loose now for a while. And <laughs> a lot was... from the Pac-12 yeah exactly a lot from the pac-12 the 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 lips were loose the big 10 not so much but um yeah ever since that report writing was on the wall and then yeah i don't i remember the exact time that brett mcmurphy tweeted it out because pete thamel was right there as well um 9 40 a.m august 4th friday 2023 that was it that was the initial report that oregon and washington were doing the big 10 and yeah here we are on this podcast we still don't know exactly some of the financial specifics, um, and we might, and we also we should know Oregon and Washington. I don't think have officially commented. I expect we'll get more confirmation from the schools later today. It's ten about twenty twenty, so <clears throat> you know, again, forty minutes after the news began to break this morning. Um, I've read Brett McMurphy's reporting on this. I'm sure other people have had the same reporting. I think universally it's kind of understood. Oregon Washington will take a reduced cut of the media rights deal from the Big Ten that was signed last year that would have run laps around the Pac-12's number, as Jared said. Like, <clears throat> there was really no way with the offer that was in place from streaming services for the Pac-12 
for them to really even be comparable to the numbers of the Big Ten, unless it was literally the Pac-12 saying all the money is going to go to the Oregon-Washington schools to keep them around and nobody else is mm-hmm. going to make anything, which was never going to be a uh, stable way to run a conference. So this was like always probably going to be the outcome here, but we don't know um, exactly what Oregon's numbers will look like. I've seen estimates between 35 to 40 million, which again would be about twice what the Pac-12 had offered. Again, I'm not reporting that. That's just a number. Those are numbers I saw. Who knows? It could be less. It could be more. Um, the, I think the uh, initial, at least over the first couple of years, it looks like 60 million. Jared, is that correct? That the Big Ten is supposed to be making per member? Um, correct. So, yeah. So Oregon would be looking at. So there's a fly that's flying all over my face. It's driving me nuts over the last couple of minutes. I apologize. I'm not. I'm not. That's going all right. I just. I just realized that uh, my whole shtick before this was with my condenser mic turned off. So everybody's oh. now hearing me completely, probably including you, are hearing me completely different now. Oh, I didn't even know. I couldn't even hear you were talking before. I was just going, I was just nodding along. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. Good, good podcasting. Uh, no, I, yeah. I, 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 the point, I guess, just to wrap that one is, is that, yeah, the Oregon will be taking, it sounds like a slight discount or, or, or maybe even a significant discount, but whatever the discount is, it was, it would be, the number is going to be better than what they would have mm-hmm. had in alternatives. And I guess one thing that just to toss it out here, um, I guess I'm a little surprised that Oregon and Washington leaving beat Arizona to the punch because it seemed like that was going to probably be the first shoe to drop just with the way everything was reported. It sounded like. Um, at least from mm-hmm. uh, reporting that happened uh, on Thursday evening from I saw Pete Thamel had a story up on ESPN about the Big Ten not wanting to be the ones to deliver the final death now. They didn't want to be they didn't want that blood on their hands, which is kind of ironic because last year basically signaled the death now when USC and USA left. But they wanted to see kind of the league sort of kind of, I guess, yeah. implode on its own. And that first step or next step after Colorado would have been Arizona heading to the Big 12. So I'm a little bit maybe surprised on the timeline of that. but. I think the fact that we're here doesn't really surprise anybody. Um, the fact that it'll be 2024 is both exciting, but I don't know. Uh, I, I go just just allow me to be sentimental for a second. Like this has happened a little bit quicker than I think I had anticipated. Maybe I was being slightly naive. Not that I thought that Oregon would remain in the. Pac-12. It took a year to get this. Well, sure, I sure, but I think the the initial thought to me at least was like maybe twenty five, but I don't know why I, I would have felt that way. Twenty four is is next year. We this is going to make the Pac twelve season in twenty twenty three the send off for all of these rivalries, except for the three um, yeah. for Oregon that will carry over to the Big Ten. It's, we should know, like you just think about this, like some of the storylines you have now in the Big Ten, and and I'm I mean. It, ignoring uh the new schools that you know they'll be developing storylines but like usc versus oregon has long been a recruiting rivalry but now you've got two young head coaches lincoln riley versus dan laning offensive mind defensive mind recruiting you know being at a premium amongst those schools Um, that's going to be a fun annual meeting because again oregon has not played both la schools every year and hasn't played in los angeles every year that's going to change i think pretty clearly i think you're going to see them group together um chip kelly being the head coach at ucla which is the coach that really kind of took over oregon over the the hump if you will in the early 2000 you know 2010s there um that's an interesting storyline and then washington and oregon i don't even need to go through everybody understands why that's a a a big rivalry um and and kind of the history so you know the three teams right now and we should know they're still reporting that maybe cal and stanford could join at some point but the three schools that they're leaving with right now at least are 
school set, there's just like all of this built in storylines and kind of, uh, you know, it, it's going to be, I think, really fun to see that highlighted each year on the West Coast. Those those three games annually are, are going to be a blast. And um, I know they don't play UCLA this year, but I think it'll add a little bit more heat even to the final Pac-12 season, which I think is going to be probably more closely paid attention to than any Pac-12 season in a long time for a variety of reasons. Um, mm -hmm. But this is going to, I just think we're looking at 2023 and you're going to be like, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle coming through November because there's a lot of animosity now amongst all of these schools and for good reason. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I, it adds a little extra intrigue, I think, for this year. Then certainly going into the, uh, into the Big Ten next year, there's, there's again, a lot of storylines to, to follow and, and, and it'll be really interesting to see kind of how this West Coast pod, if you will, um, competes against each other. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of animosity between these teams. I think everybody just did what's best for them, whether that be going to the Big Ten or Big 12. Um, if there's animosity, it's with the Pac-12. It's with the conference. It's with Larry Scott. It's with George Klyovkov. It's with the inability to accept a good deal when presented in front of them and kind of bet on themselves when you lose your two biggest members in USC and UCLA. Um, yeah, I, there's... I don't know what's going to happen with Stanford and Cal. The Big Ten doesn't want them like they do Oregon and Washington. Um, maybe the Big 12 takes them, but they're already kind of expected to take three more schools uh, in Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, along with Colorado. So they, Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State might just be SOL, shit out of luck, sure. because nobody wants those teams. And it's not for the fault of – uh, Cal and Stanford, I mean, that's a big TV market. They're just, they're just kind of the odd men out. Um, I think everybody oh. would take Oregon and Washington over Stanford and Cal just from a pure uh, monetary standpoint. Obviously, Stanford usually has the very best college uh, athletic department in the country basically every single year because they win all the Olympic sports and they're, they place well in all the other sports. Um, but they just they don't win in football. And if this were 2008 or 2011 Stanford, yeah, they probably would have been taken into the Big Ten, but it's not anymore. And what happens to the rest of the Pac-12? Um, not up for me to to, to figure out. Um, I think they'll be fine. I think that it'll be a, a merger with the Mountain West Conference at a point. It's just it's unfortunate for them, but with how terribly the Pac-12 has handled this entire situation for the last. 18 months more or less since it's august now um this is kind of what it what it deserves uh they were uh, extended offers from espn at the very beginning basically the same deal the big 12 got uh they declined they said they wanted to test the open market um oh. after texas and oklahoma left the big 12 the big 12 t came coming to george klyovkov and said hey you guys want to merge you guys want to make this together we can become the first super conference with I don't know how many teams, but more than more than 18. Glavkov said no. And these seem like slam dunk potential uh, extensions for the Pac-12 before this death date that is August 4th. Then um, neither of them worked out. So I don't think that there's going to be a lot of animosity between the teams. I think they'll, it'll be a more intense season because of the implications that this is more than likely the final Pac-12 season of all time. So it'll be 108 years because I believe it was founded in 1915, or at least that's when Oregon and Washington joined. 
Um, so it's going to be a fun season, and it's probably, honestly, good for the Pac-12 for having probably the most talent they've ever had in a season. Just so happens to be their last one. So at least they'll end out on a high note, right? I mean, that's that's not fair that this is the most talent the conference has had at all. If you go back to the Pac-10, which was very competitive and winning national championships in the 80s and 90s. But yeah, in terms of the most recent iteration of the Pac-12, yeah, this is the best the league has been. Um, and it should be a really fun league because there's, it's top heavy, but there's also teams in the middle. And I, I think the animosity part, I'm not saying that the players dislike each other, but the fan bases and, and th there is certainly going to be a sense from the schools left behind, if you will, at least Oregon State, Washington State. Like, it's not fair, <laughs> right? But fans don't think coherently necessarily. But it's not fair to, to, to put this on Oregon or to put this on Washington. But those fan bases are going to do it. And you know that's the case. Like Oregon State fans, you already see their reaction to this. Yeah. And, and wanting to pull Oregon, you know, you, you know, so so th so that part will, I think, certainly be in place. And, and you're, you're not wrong in terms of the schools that have kind of the way this has kind of happened organically uh, with and with how poorly this has been handled by the Pac-12, where there are really no options left for any any program that wants to be viable going forward. Yeah, I, I, I understand that part. Um, I guess I guess maybe a better way to put it is this will be the last year of a lot of meetings in terms of a lot of matchups, right? So like Oregon and Arizona State yeah, probably aren't going to play on a football field for a very long time, right? Oregon and Utah yeah. might not play for a very long time. Who knows that the Oregon-Oregon State with Washington-Washington State, do they keep those two rivalry series in place in non-conference manner? They might. I'll be curious to see how that's handled. Um, but there are going to be a lot of these matchups, which again have taken place. You know, the Arizona school is not quite as long because I think they joined maybe in the 80s. But, uh, you know, like Oregon and Washington State, for example, have played, I think, like 80, 90 times maybe. And this could mm -hmm. be the last time those schools play for a very long time. Um, there already is a bit of a rivalry there. And I, I, again, I, again, whether or not it's rational or not, I do think those fan bases will will consider Oregon and Washington to be the final detractors, along with USC and UCLA, which have already, I think, from the fan bases in the conference, taken a lot of heat. I know that there's going to be some of that. Um, I'll be very curious to see kind of moving forward here. Now, let's take a look at kind of what this could look like in 24. They already had released schedules for, I believe, USC and UCLA and the entire conference for 24, at least projections of what that model would look like. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to so. be I'm going to be curious, and this is something we can. We're just going to be speculating here, but kind of what Oregon and Washington's inclusion, how that changes those scheduling, what this looks like. I mean, I think my assumption is that they are going to be playing all three of these former Pac-12 member schools every year. Um, I'll be curious to see if that holds true. I'll also be curious to see how much travel is built in. Jer, the two of us have talked about. You know, I, I, I'm not overly concerned with the football schedule traveling it's probably just a couple more longer trips mid to the midwest mm -hmm. maybe maybe back to the fully to the east coast if they play you know whatever maryland rutgers penn state somebody on the on the east coast there but that part's not going to be big it's going to get bigger for the olympic sports for basketball we've talked about like will they set up some sort of i don't know uh, way that you can play two weeks away two weeks at home just to avoid having to go back and forth back and forth there's going to be a lot of logistics to deal with here, but like what intrigues you the most, I guess, and what excites you the most? Let's, let's put a positive spin on what this football schedule in particular could look like. Like what, 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 what do you want to see year one in 2024 from a football schedule? Like what trips would you like to make? 
Maybe we just build the schedule. Like oh. how would we how how would we build the schedule here? Are we playing like NCAA fourteen here? Sure. Let's build the schedule. How we'll would build you build the how, schedule? How would you like to do I it? I mean, as a coach, obviously in my NCAA franchise, um I I, I do three three games during in the, in the at the start of the season, bye week, three games, by three weeks. I like um, that. Because that's just how that's three or four weeks at the end. That's just how it should go. I love love an early bye. Love a, love a tough non-conference schedule. Um, I mean, if obviously if you can, you'd like to get Oregon State at the end of the year as a non-con. Um, I, I don't, agree. I don't remember a lot of Big Ten teams in the last couple of years going non-conference on Thanksgiving. Um, it's usually just uh, Michigan and Ohio State that are that are the main teams for the Big Ten. So, ooh, that's one's that one's going to be tough. Um, we could probably cross that off the list. Maybe it'll be a September fourteenth game against Oregon State and you know obviously it'll have the same ring to it <laughs> uh no I mean in terms of where I would want to go um you know, we've, we've been to Ohio State obviously I'd love to go back but how about Ohio State comes to Oregon this year hey um, perfect yeah that's fine um let's go to the big house might as well um we can go to the land go to Maryland because mm. uh, College Park, it's a nice little campus, good little stadium too. Really steep top decks, but I digress. Um, do we want to go to like Illinois, something like that? I mean, that's I mean, kind of gross. I, 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 I have <laughs> I haven't been to Chicago before, so send me to Northwestern. I guess I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's that's fine. Northwestern would be cool. Chicago is a lovely place. Um, how about Wisconsin comes out to Oregon yeah. Uh, yeah. in another Rose Bowl matchup? <laughs> um, well, and, uh, well, I was I was just gonna say like um, I, I I wonder I wonder if we'll see like neutral site because you do see this a little bit in other conferences very infrequently in very specific cases, but like a, a, an annual neutral site conference game. I wonder if they'll try to find a marquee. I know because and the hard part here is the venues in the Big Ten are awesome, so you probably wouldn't want to avoid those. But I'm, and I'm not talking specifically 24, but just like a big picture idea of like, wonder if you could play like a marquee game in Vegas between Oregon and pick a school in the Big, you know, that's from the Midwest, just to avoid some a little bit of the travel because I do think coming to Eugene is different than going to Los Angeles or Seattle just because of the size of the city, also the size of the airport and how, how difficult that can be on some people. I wonder if they'll try to find a way to make the, the Big Ten yeah. Midwest I mean, crowd easier by putting a, a neutral site game here or there. Oregon fans would hate that because you want all your games at all. Hudson, but I don't think I don't think there's a problem with getting to Eugene. I mean, Oklahoma's done it. Michigan State has done it. Ohio well, sure. State was going to do it. And this is when the Eugene Airport was much worse. Um, it's gotten a little, it's gotten pretty, pretty good in the last seven years since I've been uh, living in Oregon and I, when I was a student there. Um, you got direct flights to Chicago now. You got direct flights to Denver. You have connecting flights to Denver. I think, I think the travel wise would be just fine coming to Eugene. And I think the neutral site thing is a, is a, is a good idea. I think they could do it. I just, I just don't think they would need to. Okay. You know, like sure. they just have, they've got great, great stadiums now all up and down the West coast. Yep. And now in the middle of the country. Yep. Um, if I were the big 10, I would, I would try to get every game I can and the, the biggest stadium I can and go with that. Um, maybe you do something like in Dallas, which would be strange, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Jerry's world is always a kind of, kind of a neutral site 
uh, potential for a game, maybe Glendale, Arizona, where the Cardinals are at, some big old game like that. Uh, I'm not sure if Oregon would be involved like in their first couple of years in the conference or Washington or even the Los Angeles schools. But I think now that the Big Ten is basic is coast to coast because Rutgers is still in New Jersey, um, which one day whenever Oregon travels to Rutgers, <laughs> that might be the day like I quit Ooh. or something. But that's going to be that's going to be a tough one. Um, but it's coast yeah. to coast now. I think they have the potential to go, like you said, like basically anywhere they want for a neutral game. Um, I just think that the the home fields in the Big Ten and now including Pac-12 members or former Pac-12 members, uh, I think they're too good. I mean, now they got they have the Rose Bowl in the Big Ten uh, just every week now. It's incredible. And the Coliseum. It's, I mean, the, the Big Ten, which it feels weird to say Oregon is now in. Um, mm-hmm. Big Ten have, member Oregon. Arguably, freaking weird. Still weird. Going to be weird. Mm-hmm. Going to continue to be weird probably through the first couple of seasons of this. Just to say it, because it's, the, again, the history of being in the other conference. But the Big Ten now has some of, and I won't say the best collection of venues, because no, I mean, the SEC has an awesome collection, several of which I would love to get to in the next, during my lifetime, I'll say. I don't know the likelihood. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be there for my work perspective, but I digress. The Big Ten now has some awesome venues, um, you know, and, and I'll be, I'll, you know, it'll be interesting to, to see kind of how, these are received how were odd centers received from some of the big 10 programs because uh, some of them have been here it's been michigan came out here and lloyd carr famously uh, called it the loudest stadium he that he'd ever coached and i think that was back in 2005 or 2004 so it's been 20 years it's been forever since ohio state came out here i mean really michigan state is the only big 10 team i can most... think of that's been here in the last 10 years and that was i think in 15 uh or 14 so Michigan State was yeah 14 14 yeah you're right it was the championship run with marcus because he had the pitch mm-hmm. to uh freeman um but yeah my, i mean it, it, this is this is really fun and exciting i of course am bummed out just as somebody who's grown up rooting for the you know watching this conference um enjoying this conference for the most part there have been times where it's been more enjoyable than other times um to see it go is tough. And again, to see the fact that like mm-hmm. Oregon and Utah have kind of developed this little mini rivalry over the last five or six years of being kind of the big, you know, the top teams in the conference that I don't know when that series gets revisited unless it's in postseason play or, or whatever. I'd be curious to see like, will there be crossover non-conference games with some of these old pack 12 teams? That would be something I would enjoy at least kind of revisiting. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in general, like I think this is really, really exciting for Oregon if you just want to talk big picture because this is going to finally give them an opportunity to play in a conference that is well-respected. The Pac-12 has not been one of those really for the duration of Oregon's height of its run here. Um, and there won't be an excuse given to Oregon outside of probably the Southeast, which doesn't think very highly of the Big Ten in general anyway because it's their rival and they, to be fair, have dominated them for the most part on the national stage. Yeah. <laughs> not most part yeah basically just completely dominated on the national other state. than ohio state yeah but there is more respect for the big 10 for sure than the pac-12 so for oregon to be in a comp that, that will no longer be an excuse of oh we didn't get this or we weren't perceived this way because of the conference rent you are now in one of the two conferences that really matters in yep. college football and that's where you need to be to take that next step to try to do what they've been close to doing twice in the last 15 years which is win a national championship 
yeah, I think we've I think we've kind of talked some some good positives and some good negatives for for moving into the Big Ten. But I think one of the biggest positives here, which I don't, a lot of people aren't going to like, is the money that the schools are going to be getting. Sure. Um, and I think that can now propel both Washington and Oregon um, to heights that they weren't going to get in the Pac-12. Um, it's going to allow them to compete nationally on recruiting stages because they'll just have a bigger budget for better, better, I don't know, better staff, better amenities, better facilities, all the whole kit and caboodle. They're going to have the money for now. And if they were to stay in the Pac-12, it just wasn't going to happen. And maybe they would have figured out some revenue split where Oregon and Washington, like we, we talked about earlier on this podcast where they get more money, but look, the, the big 10 in year five or year six of their deal, I can't remember, is supposed to get almost $100 million per school. If you're Oregon, if you get a half split share of whatever the whatever the contract is for the Big Ten, that's still $50 million a year. You were looking at 20 for the Pac-12. 20. Maybe, 20, 30 maybe 25 if they hit certain subscription goals. Maybe 25 if they hit certain subscription goals. But... Uh-uh. Yeah. No, probably wasn't going to happen but anyways you're still you're doubling you're tripling you're, you're potentially quadrupling and you know i i think the the rumors of of oregon and washington kind of staying in the pac-12 um at the beginning of today was probably a negotiation tactic by the ducks and the huskies because they can go back to the big 10 and say look georgie boy um who can float too um, he'll he'll up our dosage for thirty five million dollars a year. What what are you guys gonna do? Are you gonna give us a thirty percent slice or haircut now? Then we'll get seventy percent. Um, I think it was probably a negotiation tactic. I think it's gonna be really interesting to see what the final pro rata numbers are because um, there were some reports from Brett McMurphy that uh, Washington was was really trying to get more money because well a they they're they're in debt their athletic department debt a lot of debt so they need as much money as they can and they decided it's going to take 10 million dollars a year to travel which sounds about right i mean for traveling for, all for these all people sports. Yeah. yeah for all sports so maybe they worked a deal where it's not a 50 percent uh cut maybe it's they get 70 70 percent now instead of 50 so we'll see eventually um i just think that the monetary accumulation year after year after year after year it's going to be so beneficial to Oregon and Washington, and they're going to be able to just continue where they're where they have been in the last decade and being competitive and being good and being a national brand. And now with the Big Ten's branding on the back of them, mm-hmm. um, you know, a team like I don't know the Justin Herbert led Ducks in 2019. I could you imagine the national attention they would get as a Big Ten unit, not just a Pac-12 the Pac-12 unit. Granted, the lost ASU, I don't have to bring up, but that kind of throws a wrench in everything. But that was a really good team, and if they have the backing of a Pac-12, Pac, Big Ten, I know Pac-12, it's still it's hard. Tough. It's tough. Um, I think that team has looked at differently. I think they're looked at differently across the country. I think. Mm-hmm. All of the reasons that or that Oregon fans have complained for years and years and years about Big Ten, Big Twelve, SEC media bias. Congrats, we are now all part of the bias. So, yep. at least we got that going for us. I was going to say, enjoy the East Coast bias because, in a, in a way, it's I mean, wonderful. And, and, yeah, yeah. 
Well, and, and, and I guess it'll be curious just to see how these formerly Pac-12 teams handle themselves in the Big Ten over the first couple of years because there's a lot of confidence, especially from USC and Oregon and Washington, probably to a lesser degree UCLA, that they can compete at the highest level with the Big Ten conference in a Big Ten schedule. I think there's a chance that they will do quite well. I will be very curious to see how it actually plays out. I will be curious to see if it feels like the fact that there is a large gulf in terms of you know distance and geography does play an impact in terms of does it feel like a team gets worn down by traveling back and forth? Do they schedule yeah. it out to where that part is minimized and maybe there there are significant gaps between? That's kind of one of the things I thought about a little bit too of okay, if you're going to play two games on, you know, in the Midwest or East Coast, maybe you have one of them be your first or second game of the conference schedule and one of them be your second to last or your last game of the conference schedule. And all in between is going either home games or going amongst West Coast teams just to try to limit. Um, because it would be tough to go back and forth, back and forth, three straight weeks yeah. or something like mm -hmm. that. So I'll be curious to see how all that comes together. But man, like I'm, I'm pretty fired up about what this means. I think once you move back to the fact that um, – that the past is now very much the past that this conference that I think a lot of people really enjoyed Oregon being a part of for a very, very long time, even for some of us to the bitter end, uh, that that is now no longer something that will be going on past this season. I think you could be really, really excited for what this is going to be, what this is going to mm -hmm. look like for college football. I know a lot, there's a lot of change right now with, would there be the transfer portal NIL, conference realignment, once a lot of this stuff kind of settles in here by, let's say, 2025, 2026, and people start to kind of get familiar and get used to this, and there's finally some stability, I think it's going to be an awesome product. I think Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA being in the Big Ten, playing against some of these other schools that, frankly, for years, Oregon yeah. fans have been saying, we're better than, or we're just as good as them. Why are they getting these opportunities? To Jared's point, I think a point I made earlier, you're going to have your opportunity to prove that year in and year out now. And it's mm -hmm. going to be a really fun product. And it's going to be really fun, especially these first couple of years and first couple of times heading out to these big venues, because I'll speak for myself and for those who, like Jared, also went out to Columbus uh, a couple of years ago. That's a blast. That's an amazing it's, venue. It's That's, a different world. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's not something you see on the West Coast, really. Like the Coliseum, I think in terms of size, isn't too much smaller. I don't remember the same or the Rose Bowl. Yeah, they're, I guess. they're about the same. Yeah, but those are there's just a completely different vibe. Those 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 stadiums are full. The USC and UCLA stadiums are probably not always full, no. and 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 you just it's walking through a sea of red to the stadium, which was to me just a ah, this feels like big time college football, and that's what Oregon is entering. So get excited, get fired up if you if you want to take a couple of days to through the end of the Pac-10, Pac-12. I totally understand it. It's going to probably throughout this season, maybe not a couple of days, take the season to enjoy the mm -hmm. last year of the Pac-12. As we said, I think it's going to be a really fun season, but also get excited because what's happening next to to the to kind of the point that Mullins and, and uh, Dan have made, this bold vision, this opportunity, it's really exciting. This is going to be really, really fun, I think, um, for the foreseeable future and, and really could give Oregon an opportunity to do something special. Um, if this all comes together the way that I think a lot of people want it to. Yeah, I'm I'm extremely excited. Um, it's it's a very sad day that the Pac-12 is is about to die. Uh, it's on life support now. Especially, I grew up a Pac-12 baby. Um, both my parents went to UCLA, so I grew up rooting for the Pac-12 when I was I don't know, but for as long as I've lived, mostly right. for UCLA, and then for Oregon as I 
you know, grew into high school and stuff. But it's a sad day, but it's exciting for if you're an Oregon fan for all the reasons that Eric just mentioned. Um, and for me, I think it's really exciting that these are these are basically all new teams. Mm-hmm. Like you have been so used to playing the Washingtons, the Washington States, the Oregon States, that the everybody else in the conference that now you join this Big Ten. You, you, Oregon's gonna be playing like Indiana. <laughs> it was the last time Oregon played Indiana, and I know that it's not a big yeah. name brand thing that you you. Probably rather be playing Michigan, but hey, guess what? You're going to be playing them in week eight. Right now you have Indiana in week four. Um, I think that's a hoot. I really do. I I, I can't wait for that. Um, I don't know if we'll all be able to go and travel because that's true. it cost a, a ton of money, but um, I'm excited. And all these new venues, um, all these new teams that, like you mentioned, Eric, like, oh, we could beat them. Like, yeah, you get the chance now. These are teams you kind of just kept like a peripheral on like, oh, Indiana's five and seven this year. Uh, That's another Indiana season. It's like, well, you could be part of that five. You could be part of that seven. Um, I think it's going to be just an absolute blast for Oregon and Washington. Um, And I I guess sort of to end it off, um, USC Mm. thought you could get away. Yeah. Oregon, Oregon is still here. Oregon is still yeah. coming. So I just thought that that was hilarious that a team that is not even in the conference yet is yeah. asking for another team to not be allowed into the conference yet. Just, well, it's very funny. I don't, yeah. what, what's the point of that? I don't think it, 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 it you certainly look like you're running scared because you are. Is it <laughs> like, just like, are they just, so into the negative recruiting that they want to keep it that way where it's like, Oh, we're in the big 10 and they're not. Oh, I can't yeah. totally, I, mean, I can, I can, I guess explain if that's, that's such a silly reason in part, in part because to the point we made earlier, like there is some benefit from a financial perspective to having more West coast teams in the conference to limit some of that travel stuff that has obviously mm-hmm. potentially a problem. But regardless of the reasons behind it, we just have to acknowledge this is going to make Oregon and USC this rivalry, which has been kind of an on and off one because similar to yeah. the Oregon-Washington rivalry, it's kind of been like one team is really good and the other team's not very good, basically for the entirety of this. Like USC, let's just be honest, kicked Oregon's ass for like decades and decades and decades. Yeah. It was not a, a very long time series. Yeah. But over the last 20 years, yeah, 20 years, we'll say, Oregon's had the upper hand. I don't have the record in front of me, but I think they're like nine and five or nine and six, maybe something like that in their last meetings. They don't play every year. Like Oregon USC are about to become, I think, the, one of the premier rivalries in the Big Ten. Of course, you're not going to have, you're not going to, I'm not saying it's going to be Michigan, Ohio State, because that's an, an, an unimpeachable rivalry that no one's ever yeah. going to top. But like, mm-hmm. I think Oregon USC is going to be a very heated rivalry um, for, the, for, for these reasons, especially with how public some of this stuff has gotten. There was an article yeah, in the LA Times the other day that kind of outlined some of this. And yeah, they're like, like anybody uh, but Oregon. It's like, what? Why? Like, Oregon just teamed up with Washington to go and jump in together. Like that's hate, the team. They hate each other. <laughs> These two teams. Well, I'm sure the athletic departments are fine with each other, which, you know, cause they're adults. But these two teams, <laughs> yeah. these two teams hate each other. The fan bases hate each other. We see it on our message board every single day. And I'm talking to you posters. I see it. Um, but I don't know where this USC and Oregon just like pure blood hatred has come from. And maybe it's from recruiting. Maybe it's from, like Mario and Dan going down to Southern California, getting all these kids, but I don't feel like that should 
bring this much hate to the point where it gets to the president of USC saying, please yeah, that's the do part not that, let Oregon in. That's what? the part that's interesting. I get to the point earlier I even made about like the Oregon State, because I think you're right in terms of the animosity thing from probably the presidents and the leadership perspective from the Pac-12 not being a big thing. But from a fan base, you know those yeah, fan bases are going to hate each other. I get why USC fans hate Oregon. The USC kind of got knocked off the top of the conference leaderboard, right, by Oregon over the last 15 years. Oregon's mm-hmm. done better on the field. They've done better in recruiting. Um, they're kind of the big, you know, I won't say they're the bigger brand yet because USC's a huge brand, but they are, for 15 to 20 years, have been kind of the sexier program. I get why that would piss off fans. I don't understand exactly why uh, an athletic director comes from, I think, Cincinnati and is there for like two years. It's just like, we can't, and well, that must be coming from its donors. He's gone. I know he's gone now. Even when he came in, it was like, he'd only been there a short amount of time. He came from the Midwest. Like, it was just interesting to see how much of that was built into them leaving. I guess some of that was reported back then, but had been especially kind of heightened in the last couple of weeks when it looked like Oregon was joining. And to see some of that kind of insight, you are kind of going like, to your point, Oregon and Washington are going, they're adults. It doesn't feel like USC was treating it quite the same way. Um, and it seems like a huge, huge obstacle to try to put up just purely for recruiting perspective, which is kind of what it felt like. At least that's the way it was sort I of, I don't know. That was that's the, way the only way I could, yeah, no, that's, I think you're right. I think that's the only way it was really framed was like, hey, they, they beat our ass in recruiting the last couple of years. Please do not let them into the same conference because if you do, now we can't negatively recruit kids. Like, it wasn't working anyways. I mean, we, we've talked to multiple 24-7 recruiting experts and be like, hey, does the USC's move to the Big Ten have any impact on kids? And they're like, no, eh, probably not, no. You know, like and, maybe and one other, or two, but no. The other thing is, is USC, you, and I have to go up too far on this, but like USC's sense of that, just not like the, the negative recruiting and not wanting Oregon and Washington doesn't drive at all with what I think the rest of the Big Ten is feeling, which is now we have an opportunity to say to a kid that we're recruiting in Los Angeles or we're recruiting in Seattle, you're going to have home return trips. There aren't going to yeah, be a lot of going kids to probably, go home. Yeah. There aren't going to be a lot of kids probably from Oregon that end up in the Big Ten. I'm not sure if Portland's ever going to be a, a, an area that has more than you know half a dozen Division One players in it. So it's not like that's going to be a huge impasse for for the Big Ten. But Big Ten, I think. I mean, I've thought all along Big Ten was really smart to bring in USC and UCLA for that very point. Ohio State mm-hmm. and Michigan have already done a really good job recruiting the West Coast and Los Angeles. This is going to give them more ammunition to, as to the point I said of like, hey, you're going to kind of come home and every year probably play one game at least in Los Angeles, whether it be at yep. USC or UCLA. And you're also going to get opportunities for your family to stay on the West Coast now to play another game, probably at Oregon or at Washington every year. So um, and maybe it won't be every year, but there'll be opportunities now to, to pitch that. So. USC was probably the only school, maybe UCLA along with them, that were kind of like, we don't want Oregon and Washington in here. For the Big Ten schools, the recruiting element of it, I don't think that ever made much of a difference for them. No, and and for the Big Ten, I mean, getting the four best schools on the West Coast. It's pretty good. Can't really turn that turn that down either. So what's next? Um, I haven't seen anything here official. From, well, I was just going to try to outline, like, what do we like? Uh, Rob Mullins will probably be available once this is confirmed by the university. We, we should note, I don't think Mr. Jared has seen something over the course of this podcast no. that the schools have confirmed anything. I'm not surprised by that really at all. I would imagine there will be some sort of confirmation today. But it's still early enough. It's yeah, still I early. Think today it's about, should be in. It's about 11 a.m. 
at some point in the next 24, 48 hours, maybe it's early next week. I'm not sure. I'm sure Rob Mullins will be in a podium somewhere and we'll be talking to him, asking him questions. So expect to see that. Um, and after that, honestly, there's, I have no idea because the 2023 football season where Oregon is in the Pac-12 is what, five weeks? No, less than that. Sorry. Three weeks away from starting. So that'll be happening. There will be, I'm sure, more fallout from this in terms of Jeez. scheduling and other stuff. I know. Um, but we will have further breakdowns of everything as it comes to light here. Um, Matt Prim will be back on the show next time because he will not be on vacation, which, again, I don't know how he times it up. Like, it, it's this is like an annual golf thing he does, but he just happened to know. Maybe August he 4th. goes on vacation too much. It's just too much of the year. <laughs> He's just covering his bases. But <laughs> right. it is... It is, it is right that uh, he was not available today for this podcast because he was on a vacation, which for those listening, no, always uh, seems to line up with some big news breaking. So I think that'll do it for us here on the Ots and Audibles podcast, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack, uh, reacting to huge news out West for Oregon, for Washington, for the state of what is a dying Pac-12, Pac-8, Pac- how many schools are even in it now? I don't know, seven? Six? No, still seven. Yeah, seven. Pac, the Pac-7 seems like unlikely no to survive. No Arizona has gone yet. Yeah. It seems unlikely to survive, um, but uh, we'll be back uh, early next week uh, breaking down probably fall practice, maybe fall, breaking down um, a Rob Mullins press conference explaining more of what went into this. So for Jared, I've been Eric Scopel. Talk to you later, folks. <laughs>